I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture podcast and live stream with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, Aaron Sagers, journalist, researcher of all things weird, and I can currently also be seen on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Today, we're going to be talking to the director and star of She Will. Now, this is described as a gothic tinged drama about a declining movie star, Veronica Ghent, who, after a difficult surgery, goes to a healing retreat in rural Scotland with her young nurse, Desi, in tow. With her own identity and doubt, Veronica starts to confront past traumas endured on movie sets, and the two women develop an unlikely bond as mysterious natural as a mysterious natural nature of the wilderness gives Veronica the power to enact revenge. That's the official synopsis. What I can say is that this is such a atmospheric and rich uh, supernatural, I don't even want to say horror, even though it's definitely horror tinged and a psychological drama and it's uh, spooky with a lot of witchy overtones. I'm digging it. It won the Golden Leopard for Best Film at the uh, Locarno Film Festival, screened at notable festivals around the world, including London Film Festival, Fantastic Fest. And it opens this Friday, July 15th in theaters and on demand on IFC Midnight. And then in October, it's going to be premiering on the horror streaming service Shudder. So... Without further ado, we're going to bring in our guests. Uh, coming to us via video is the director, Charlotte Colbert. Hi there, Charlotte. Thanks for joining us. And Hi. we also have in audio form, splendid audio <laughs> form, because we were having some technical glitches, the star of She Will, Alice Krieger. Hello, Alice. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. Glad we have your voice. If not your face, we at least have your magnificent voice joining us. So thank you. Um, yeah, let me let me begin by saying, Charlotte, if you want to take this first question, or both of you weigh in, is this? I, I see this referred to as a psychological horror, and is it a horror movie? There's certainly elements of horror, but Charlotte, do you do you view this as a horror movie? Um. Well, I guess um, it's a horror in so much as, as I guess the experience of trauma that the character undergoes is sort of horrific. And I guess horror in that way is like perhaps the best representation or the most truthful representation of, of trauma, you know, and also um, horror's got that cool way of being able to play with space time, with aesthetics and push boundaries um, into strangeness as you, as you um, are, the, are the king of, um, um, uh, you know, push the boundaries of different strangeness without sort of people necessarily batting an eyelid, you know, some, a worm comes out of someone's nose and it's sort of totally fine for a horror audience, which is amazing. Um, so in that sense, I guess, um, I guess it has elements of, of horror, but it does also have um, elements of perhaps fairy tale, I guess, with the, sort of recurring imagery and the setting, the sort of misty 
land of Scotland and um, this idea of imagery that we come back to, but each time it acquires like a sort of different meaning, I guess is sort of what you have at the heart of fairy tales. Actually, I was reading this amazing thing just before, uh, speaking of this, this woman called Mar Marina Verna, um, who describes fairy tales as um, stories in code for women. And she looks at, for example, the story of Rapunzel and says, isn't it quite interesting how she breaks into the witch's garden and steals some herbs that she has and how actually you could look at it as a, as a sort of cautionary tale about abortion. And it's kind of interesting. So I guess in a similar way, our film um, is not a cautionary tale, except for very, you know, bad people. But uh, but 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 it's um, but um, but I guess it does um, seek to to work with imagery and you know, secrety type stuff, a bit like tarot does, I guess. Yeah, and and fairy <laughs> tale, I think fairy tale is definitely. A, an apt description of it. I mean, you would know it's your film, but when I was watching it, it did definitely have a fairy tale element. And I would sometimes, I, I, at one point I was like, well, is it a feminist fairy tale? But as you said, it's, it's fairy tales are, are ways that we process things about our culture. It's, it's part of it, it. It includes lore and cautionary tales. And it seems like we have a little bit of all of that going on here. Uh, and Alice, let me ask you when you were approaching it, was it attractive to you because of the horror genre or or was it something else obviously you've you've spent a, you know a lot of time you've you've done a lot of films within the horror genre so was it that or what was it that kind of brought you into this role um i hope i, I hope i've understood your question because the, the sound is kind of coming in and out but uh, for me, it, it was about psychological horror, the, the, the horror of not, not horror in the sense of gore or limbs being hacked off, but the, the horror of her inner landscape of, of being grievously hurt as a child um, and, and never having spoken about it, never having um, expressed it to anyone and and it it builds into an inner nightmare really um looking into just this pit of of pain and hurt and mistrust um and and gradually emerging from that and and it is of course echoed the the this is handled in in a very striking and and extraordinary way in the film by Charlotte. Um, you see flashes of of the so-called Scottish witches, a mother and daughter, um, who, who are obviously feathered and tarred and then burned at the stake. You don't see them being burned per se, but you actually see. Um, the mother tied to a stake and tarred um, with, uh, with with Charlotte. What are they called? That um, the the oh, the bridal mask. A scold crazy. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah, exactly. Scolding or bridal. The, the metal um, sort of mask that was placed on these women that were labelled branded witches. Um, there there are flashes of this, and and it is truly a horrifying image 
and it catapults the character Veronica into it's 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 one of, of many moments when she is just catapulted into being able to address what was done to her and on a certain level what was done to these women as well um, and to allow them to 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 motivate or move her she feels impelled to to seek out um the man who hurt <laughs> on behalf of them and and so that is the aspect of horror it's it's much more emotional and psychological um than than anything overtly physical yeah and i don't know if you if you heard during your response else we had a a little chuckle from charlotte not at your response she was not laughing at you we had a cameo i believe of a of a child making their, their, their <laughs> self so known sorry. in the video no it's okay <laughs> it wasn't a bonnet guys i wasn't actually abducted uh, that, by a ghost or a, um just a little person wondering what's look, going on <laughs> you know i say in this in this strange zoom world that we've we've entered into i absolutely love the unpredictable nature of like you never know when a dog or a, a child is going to make the i i love it i i think that's a no no apology needed but but charlotte the for you when you were writing the film and when you set about this journey what were some of the connections that you saw between witch trials and witch executions with feminism, but as well as sort of the Me Too movement and, and wanting to tie these together? Mm, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, you see, it, well, it's such a massive subject um, and it's so interesting and, and I don't want to be a massive nerd and like literally go into the full thing. But, but, Please. They so, <laughs> say that the. <laughs> I want you to nerd out. I love. I love the nerding. Okay, I'm gonna nerd out. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting because you see um, um, the rise of sort of witch trials. People often um, uh, see them happening as a sort of consequence of of the rise of the nation state and the centralization of governments and power, and also the 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 sort of centralization of of knowledge with education and stuff happening within specific entities that were centralized and government controlled, like the medical practices and stuff, which then needed to crack down on local powers and, and local authorities. And obviously the midwives had a lot of, um, uh, had a lot of power within, within their villages and stuff because they're essential obviously. And, and, um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see like the sort of rise of centralized government in some ways, like, uh, going and breaking out these forms of traditional and, and more like, uh, regional localized forces. So yeah. Um, now I'm like, what was the question again? Um, so you see like sort of right yeah so you see the rise of that which is really interesting then obviously oh yeah you were saying how does it link to feminism and stuff well um um yeah so it's it's quite interesting because then obviously it becomes like an institutional uh, an institution that cracks down on um uh and conducts these witch trials so in a way it's the law becomes sort of 
unlawful you know it becomes mad and uh, actually there's a big movement now to pardon the witches it's kind of interesting as part of the rewriting history and the reclaiming the past and how important that is in terms of our future a bit like in the film i guess uh, on a personal level veronica's character uh changes the narrative of her own past in some ways by confronting it um and changes the narrative of her own body and sort of emerges um using alex's sentence like a phoenix rising from the ashes but this kind of um reimagines her wounds as her strength and i guess like uh the feminist movement in the 70s reclaimed the character of the witch as like a feminist character that could um that that needed to be reclaimed in a way and reinterpreted and redefined and um and couldn't be stowed away as some sort of you know crazy outcast and was actually a source of strong matriarchal power within the local communities yeah and isn't it interesting that within and i think you're right i think actually even in salem there has been some pardons that that took place at the witches the or suspected witches the it, it is interesting that these trials classically came about because of fear of the other and fear of of women and their feminine femininity and so and, and meanwhile me too we have this extension where it's like trying to keep that silence you know keep them under control so it's almost like the breaking of the dam on this with me too in a way it almost it, it almost um i don't want to say justify but it, it's 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 sort of the other outcome of the witch trials it's them finally getting their voice and and having their chance to but, be heard yes yeah, sort of, but at the same time there's something quite crazy as in some ways like time's up me too and stuff it shouldn't exist it shouldn't have to exist right they, they only exist because in some ways the, the law wasn't enforced and so you know, people were allowed to commit crimes and so the, 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 the way that people were able to come out with those stories was because, the, the, you know, it was, was not enacted. I mean, there's some crazy data, obviously, in the UK, I don't know about in America, but uh, I'd have to cross-check it, but I think it's like 1% of reported rapes um, uh, end with a successful, uh, successful um, conviction. And, you know, that's pretty abysmal. <laughs> it's really, I mean, you couldn't get like more abysmal, really. So in some ways, like it would be amazing to imagine a system where um, those movements don't even need to exist because, you know, obviously. Yeah. With, um, Alice. Alice will have. Yeah. And Alice, I mean, I want you to respond to that, but I'm also curious from your perspective with Veronica, is this, is this, uh, is she acting out of revenge or is she acting out of a desire to have her story told or she wants she wants truth uh talk talk a little bit about that is it revenge or is it truth erin i forgive me i'm really struggling to hear i i think what you asked was was she acting out of a desire for revenge or a desire to find the truth. Is that correct? That is correct. Great. Uh, for, for me, I, and this is highly personal, some people may experience it as 
a desire for revenge. But I, I really don't think that that Veronica was setting out for um, him to be, um, I, I, you know, to, to, to be, to get revenge, shall I say. I think what she wanted was for him to tell the truth, for him to actually um, look at what he had done. That There's a, a moment in the film when he says to her, what do you want? And she says, the truth. And it's the hardest thing for him to do. And um, Malcolm, I think, does a, a wonderful performance and a really wonderful performance with in, in a very short space of time. And I do believe that there is a moment in his performance where he recognizes, he admits to himself what he did and that he's likely to continue doing it. But when she asks him to acknowledge that, he can't. And th that that and I think that's why the film ends in the way that it does for him, because he doesn't have the courage and the strength to say, yes, I, I, I hurt you very, very badly, and I'm sorry. He just can't say that. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, for me, uh, imagining and, and being as best as I could, Veronica, it was not about revenge per se, but to actually tell the truth. Um, what is it the truth will set you free? Um, it would free them both, um, but he wasn't able to do it. And I want to, I mean, obviously I want everyone out there to see the movie and I don't want to be spoilery, but I think we can, we can acknowledge that Malcolm McDowell, uh, iconic actor, uh, appears in this film as a director of the, of, uh, the character Veronica's, uh, first movie when she was a, a child. Uh, and it's very early on implied that something took place between them that was inappropriate and. Charlotte, uh, I, I kind of want to go back to this idea of Phoenix's, I, you referenced it, I didn't hear Alice say it, but is there is there a parallel to be drawn with sort of the Phoenix between these witches as well as Veronica's character? Because as we're watching this, this is an, an aging actor who seems to have had a very aggressive form of breast cancer, has had a mastectomy perhaps, underwent radiation and i was thinking in that in that way that is a treatment that literally it, it burns your body and then meanwhile we have these these witches that for uh, 300 years ago were burned and yet in some form their essence is continues to exist in the form of ashes was that was that an intentional uh parallel there were you actually thinking about phoenixes am i on the right track or am i seeing things that are not even there I've, i i think that the phoenix is alice's quote so alice i i, I can't i can't nick your quote you... <laughs> I, I, alice. I i sorry i i'm acutely embarrassed here but i i couldn't actually hear any of that so charlotte would you take over okay yes um so 
well, there's two things. Um, in, in reality, the 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 quote of the of the um, uh, phoenix rising from the ashes is is something that um, uh, a friend of Alice's talked about. Um, a friend of Alice who uh, had uh, um, breast cancer and breast surgery, and who basically worked with Alice uh, a lot to sort of develop the character, and and gave her this. Um, this thought to cling on to, which was this, but Alice will talk about it way better than me. Um, this, 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 this notion of of defiance and 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 needing to be a, a phoenix rising from the ashes uh, to sort of overcome uh, overcome the pain. Alice, you'll 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 probably say this better than me. she can't hear us though. and there might be some delay but yeah alice if you can hear the if you could sort of speak to this i wasn't i i didn't know i apologize i did not know that that was your uh quote i had not seen that but how is how did you view veronica as a phoenix and how did you come to that conclusion um i charlotte and i had had many conversations before we began about about everything that Veronica had gone through and was going through. But I I turned to a, a dear school friend um, who had gone through this process to not exactly to the same degree, but but the same sense of 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 horror and shock when when one's body has been perhaps in a way turned against you um, or, or pain and hurt manifests in your body in a way that totally endangers your life. Um, so I turned to this dear friend and asked if she would let, if she was, if she was okay with telling me about the process and she, she was, she was wonderful. She, she, described in considerable detail what she'd gone through and at the very end she said to me but you have to rise like a phoenix from the ashes you cannot let it grind you down and and it was particularly given the the images of flame and fire that were so much part of the iconography of 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 what charlotte was creating it, it struck a, a very resonant chord. Um, and I think it, it, it became a sort of an emblem or a sort of mantra, certainly for me and perhaps as well for Charlotte, this idea that you could rise from the ashes. Yeah, and this idea of like reclaiming one's one's wounds and one's hurt, as I guess, also ties into to, to the history of... of um, of women who were well, mostly women, some men, children, and even animals around me, uh, um, uh, people reclaiming, you know, their wounds as their strength in some ways, twisting the narrative and actually, um, you know, be able to affirm it. During the, so you, you wrote this screenplay with Kitty Percy and when it came to actually putting the film together, it, 
it seems like this area of Scotland where you filmed is very much a character of the movie. There's a very kind of organic feel to this, and which I, I really love, not just as someone that has spent a lot of time in Scotland, but really? connected to this this supernatural lore. I think it's it really comes across. And I was curious if that had been the plan when you were both working on the screenplay or if there was these moments during production where you're surrounded by this excellent, excellent location and you leaned into it more or it altered a little bit of, of how you wanted to tell the story. Um, you know, go on, talk a yeah. little bit about that environment. So the, the story was, was always set in Scotland. Um, and then, you know, we had like a you know, sort of limited resources. So we really wanted to, to uh, let the locations do a lot of the work to sort of, help also the, the the production design team, you know. Um, so literally scoured all over Scotland. I mean, went to every single um, house there is, like the house in the end where we shot, you know, with the retreat um, uh, is actually haunted. <laughs> I mean, it's completely mad. So there's, it's, it's quite a surreal sort of location. Um, Kota Eberhardt, who plays Desi, uh, uh, definitely claimed she saw a ghost and um and uh, our first ad as well this um amazing um scottish guy called liam shaw um so so yeah so that was a very interesting location with obviously no heating and you know all the the troubleshooting of of um generators etc etc um so that does as you say create this amazing atmosphere and then up north like going to um, the Canehorns and Abbey Moor, which is like this uh, huge expanse of sort of wilderness, which has got very few, uh, you know, uh, people there. And this sort of very deep, rich sort of earth. That, and they are actually the, pushing again for this sort of peat cultivation. And like peat is really like fossilized earth, like, like squashed dinosaur fossils type stuff. I mean, it's literally so dense with life and history and, and, and life matter. It's extraordinary. And they say that, you know, sometimes when the, 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 um, um, the peat lets out these sort of smokes, these sort of, um, yeah, sort of swirls of smoke um, that they call the white ladies. And I always thought that's so extraordinary. But anyway, so um, that area is also where the, the last uh, women to be ex to be um, executed for witchcraft, this, this mother and daughter were actually from. So it's also carries that kind of history within it, um, which is very sort of present in there, I feel, in the land. Um, and finally found this amazing cabin, which, you know, when we um, found it at the top of this track, I was like, this is perfect. It's amazing. And then production literally sweating, uh, going, oh, my God, this is going to be absolute hell. It's like at the top of a track. If we forget a sock, it's going to take us an hour and a half um, um, to get down. And sort of get... So the, the setting in itself of this cabin in the middle of nature, I think, for, for me, was my favorite part of the shoot because it was just so beautiful just so beautiful you know there's like a little river at the bottom and these like wild animals and the birds are just like i can't tell you how how that and actually in the sound design which we spent a lot of time on the the, the, the soundscape of the film um the birds play like 
that's okay in my mind <laughs> um you know this 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 um this big role as well um so no it's it's a really extraordinary place so interesting that you spent a lot of time there um yeah and, and i'm actually i'm based in new york city but right now i'm in in london but i i was yeah and i actually was just back in scotland um last a couple of weeks ago and was spending a lot of time in the highlands so it did feel oh, wow. um, as if this was a nice refresher of what i had just come from as well so that's the, amazing yeah i lived in glasgow a long time ago uh as well so uh alice i'm how about how about with you with regards to this surrounding this environment of the scottish highlands this is a character that she's undergoing transformation and being healed in theory you know it seems like she's being healed by the earth itself as well as the presence of of the of the women that have been there before during production during filming how did that environment influence your performance because you were filming in, in quite cold weather in Scotland. Um, I, I, I cannot um, express um, clearly enough how, how important it was. Um, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a wonderful moment that, that in fact, Charlotte choreographed the Veronica gets off the train at this tiny little station and as she crosses the footbridge um, to, to get to exit the station, there's a moment that she stops and you, the camera pans across this extraordinary expanse of, of sky and mountain and, and earth. And she is literally arrested by the sight of it. And if I remember correctly, she actually takes a breath and it's as if it's the first time she has been able to breathe um, for as long as she can remember. And it, it was such a potent landscape to, to be contained within, um, especially for this character, that, that something so much greater than her her pain and her anger was was she you know this that i've never been or been in or seen a movie whereby the the night sky becomes a, a potent presence and and the the earth itself um the trees um and and i, I all of the sequences where where she departs and enters another dimension um where it where it happened i was wearing a nightdress and um very sweetly um, the makeup department um put masking tape under the soles of my feet so that i wouldn't get too cold or too frozen but i spent a lot of the time with my feet in the mud or the pine cones but certainly in in absolute contact with the earth um in the midst of this beautiful night um and it really was you did feel as if you had left normal 
as if you were in a different dimension, as if your body had entered some other incredibly potent space. Uh, it was it was quite wonderful to have that as as a as a resource for 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 the character for for Veronica. And let me stay with you one more moment, Alice. You work with Coda Eberhardt, uh, who plays Desi, and she is the younger nurse to Veronica. And it seems like there is a bit of an icy relationship between the two initially, and then that changes throughout the course of the film. Can you talk a little bit about the dynamic you had with Coda? And was it a natural chemistry? How did you develop that chemistry? Talk about your co-star. Um, to begin with, I think Kota gives a, a beautifully, beautifully judged performance. It's um, delicate to an extraordinary degree. Um, and on a certain level, she is the sort of beating heart of the film. Um, because it is her, her sweetness and her patience and her compassion for someone equally hurt that, that actually offers Veronica the chance to trust and to, to love uh, by the end of the film. And um, uh, Kota judged that with, with great finesse um she actually arrived after because of 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 you know work permit issues and such like as i remember charlotte because her arrived after we'd begun so she was headlong into the deep end um and but we we had time in the car driving to the set and time between takes and in that first week that she arrived, there was still time to eat together at night. The deeper we got into it, we were shooting so fast and working so hard that I think everyone just fell into bed at night. But at the beginning, we we had time, and um, it, it, she, it she has an absolutely passionate commitment to to the process. So it was a it was we were in many ways a sort of lifeline for each other and um yeah it was just a very fluid and immediate connection that was very helpful to me um very helpful and i i hope she would say the same was was there a moment charlotte where a sense of relief or or excitement when you saw these two actors together and you knew that, okay, yeah, these, these are my, my leads. This is going to work out quite well because of their uh, dynamic. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. First of all, the, the, um, we were really lucky that the interior scenes where they're sort of much closer in terms of their relationship happened at the end of the shoot. And so in some ways, um their relationship as Alice was saying had evolved to, to, to that point um but but I knew before or I really um uh, you know 
felt strongly, obviously, that that both Alice and Kota were were sort of right, not only um, because of the way they perform, etc., but also because of them as people and and um, and the things. Even before um, Kota was coming, you know, she would send me these pictures of foxes and 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 sort of you know had this complete sort of connection even personally with lots of the themes within 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 the film and uh and so yes it's with you know such love and affection that she sort of um entered the space where we were sort of frantically um <laughs> trying to um get as much as possible in camera um and so I think the highlight, one of the highlights for Kota was probably meeting Basil, the overweight fox, who made his, uh, <laughs> his, uh, his, his guest appearance in the film um, and arrived uh, sort of filled with shortbread. <laughs> Not exactly the fox I had anticipated, <laughs> but, <laughs> but wonderful nonetheless. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was very, very sweet. Um, um, you know, and I think it, it was really interesting because Kota is very instinctive uh, as a performer and she, uh, you know, she loves to hold these delicate moments. But I think there's the moments where the two of them were, were, were connecting like on the bed or in front of the mirror, like it always gives me like shivers. I think it's, um, yeah, there's something very beautiful between their relationship. I, I do love that. First off, that Fox was great in the film. I hope, <laughs> hope to see him doing some more work. Uh, and I, apparently he's going to have to need a Fox trainer to work off some of their shortbread. But, uh, the, I think I was reading, I, I did a quick search and, you know, the first uh, definition or origin of the name Veronica, I believe is one who emerges victorious is that was that intentional or did you just happen to like the name Veronica for the character? Uh, if there's anyone to take credit for that, it would have to be Kitty. <laughs> yeah. That's a great name. It's... <laughs> can you, can you speak a little bit to the involvement of uh, the uh, horror icon, Dario Argento, who is executive producer of this film how did that come to be? And also what kind of influence, what inspiration, influence did he have over your work and, and your work heading into this, your directorial debut, feature directorial debut? Um, so yeah, it's interesting because Dario Argento for me was always like a type font, you know, like in my mind, he was like a, a writing, like a credit, like, you know, that incredible aesthetic font. So actually seeing him in real life was completely mind boggling to me, computing the fact that he was obviously, um, a man, <laughs> you know, um, um, and so yes, basically he came on board later in the process. Um, Ed Pressman was like sort of obviously co-produced the, um, the, the, the film and then um, uh, Dario was at Locarno at the same time as us where he was getting a um, Lifetime Achievement Award and also funny enough his, an award for his acting debut in uh, Gaspar Noé's film uh, and he 
uh, came on the film, uh, really liked it and uh, decided to support it. I think he um, he says that he, uh, I don't know, has a, a love of women's stories and actually tells this beautiful anecdote of being a child and his mother was a photographer for, of, he did portraits of actresses and he remembers being a little boy in that room sort of watching all these glamorous women get ready, you know, and, and as his mother photographed them. And so I don't know, there's, um, yeah, there's something, um, yeah, very, yeah, it, very interesting. I've always loved his work, um, especially Suspiria, obviously, like in his use of music and, and the fact that, um, uh, he's so, um, aesthetic, uh, in his, in his decisions in terms of the sets and the costumes and, everything is so it's just so beautiful you know um I, and and it, it it's i i feel like this is um such a perfect project for him to come along and and be involved in because so he he saw it after you had he saw it wrapped. after it was yeah it was all wrapped and um and yeah i, I don't think he, he he's done it before so it's been you know really uh, really amazing and then um, spent a bit of time with him in Rome, which was really uh, interesting. And obviously, you know, he's completely remarkable. Just shot a film himself now. You know, he's 80. Um, um, oh, no, Alice has got... Um, 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 yeah. So, yeah, no, it's amazing to have him on board. Yeah, definitely. And... The Alice, if you're able to weigh in on this, and again, I know you're dealing with some tech issues. Can you speak a little bit about, even though there's, this is really Veronica's story and Desi's story, there is some scenes with Malcolm McDowell. Can you talk a little bit about working with him? Because I understand you have not worked with him before, even though each of you played villains and subsequent Star Trek movies, but hadn't shared uh, screen time before. Can you talk a little bit about meeting and working with Malcolm McDowell? Um, I, I think he does a remarkable performance. He's, he's an extraordinary actor and, and the full sort of um, depth of his, of his uh, ability is, is present here to work with um, a handful of scenes and 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 there is a whole human being that we instantly recognize um complex difficult um he manages to convey an enormous amount with with extraordinary economy um it, it was he is utterly beguiling as a presence he had us in gales of laughter. Um, he was is the consummate storyteller. So he was just a joy to be around. But I, um, as as a as a seventeen year old, had come to the United Kingdom with my family on a holiday. You know the thing if you grew up in a colony of going overseas. So. We came to England, and I don't know how it transpired, but everyone left before me. My 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 brothers and my mum and dad went back, and I was here staying with friends of theirs for a couple of days. And I don't know what possessed me 
but I went and saw Clockwork Orange. Now, South Africa didn't have television. There was extremely strict censorship. Um, I was so polaxed by the movie and Malcolm in particular that, that I kind of couldn't move afterwards. I think an usher came to see if I was all right. I just sat in my seat, transfixed. And so um, I was terribly nervous standing outside the trailer when, when on the first day that I was to meet him because he was inside getting ready. And then my heart was beating so hard, I, I couldn't hear myself think. Anyway, he just sort of flung his arms around me and it was uh, a joy from there on in. Delightful. I, I, and, and we are running out of time. I, I don't know if, uh, Charlotte, if you could just say real briefly this, we have this this kind of eccentric group of um, the other people at the retreat led by Rupert Everett. I was just really, I was, I was curious. There's such an interesting character and he's such an interesting character, even though we don't get much out of him uh, screen time wise. Was there a plan to use more of him? Is there more of that backstory of his character and those, those a group of people at the retreat um there's one scene which was really funny that we had to cut um for time and i should go in the dvd extras because she had me in stitches um the, the yeah rupert is um such a brilliant character and actually alice and him were at drama school together um so it was another sort of funny reunion but um uh yes and i think um, he took the role probably to be able to have a bouffant because he was dreaming of having his hair in a bouffant. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Um, well, I I know you guys have a, a day ahead of some press that you have to get to. So I thank you so much for your time. Again, the film is She Will, directed by our guest, Charlotte Colbert, and also co-written by her and starring Alice Krieger, who is also with us. It opens in select theaters and on demand Friday, July 15th, and then it will premiere on the Shutter streaming service this October. But check it out on Friday on IFC Midnight. It is well worth a watch uh, for fans of Supernatural, of horror-tinged films, and just a very rich experience. Alice, Charlotte, thank you so very much for your time today and for dealing with tech issues. <laughs> thank you very much. And I, I think everyone should see it in the cinema because that's where you get the full glory of what Charlotte did. Excellent. Uh, great final note. Thank you both. And be kind, keep it weird, and stay spooky. Thank you.